right. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to day number 22. Wow, you made it this far. Day number 22 of our Book of Acts video teaching devotional series called Christ in the Crisis for today, Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. And uh, thank you for joining in with us. I see we've got four people on right now. Wow, well, let me know who, who you are. You've, you've quickly tuned in. I'm a little later uh, today because I was working at the food bank all day, but uh, good to be with you. And I invite you and re and tell you to remember to share this feed with others. Uh, this is recorded, stays on our Facebook page. I will put it on our website and on uh, the Podbean and Apple Podcasts platforms so people can listen as well. We are going through the book of Acts, one of the best books in the Bible to read. When you're going through a struggle, a crisis, a hard time, it often isn't seen that way, but you, every page almost, you see these people, these early followers of Jesus in some type of crisis. Uh, a lot of it had to do with them being persecuted for their beliefs and for following him. And uh, so we've been going through this book, and we do a, a full sermon on Sundays uh, at 11 a.m., but Monday to Friday, we go through this book as well and uh, have these little little teaching times. All right. Uh, a reminder that on the 31st of May, as you know, uh, or some of you know, we are going to be, there it is, we're going to be giving away an iPad to the winner of a Book of Acts quiz. So you're going to have, I think, 25 questions, all multiple choice, and the winner, no strings attached, I'm going to send you an iPad uh, right to your door, okay? So just sweetening the pot for you a little bit and reinforce some of the things you learn. Of course, that's not the reason why you learn, just makes it more fun, okay? So we're in Acts chapter 13 tonight, um, and I actually brought my paper Bible out for this one. Uh, and there's a reason, because uh, while I love electronic Bibles, uh, electronic Bibles don't do cross-referencing very well. And so when there's a, a cross-reference or a quote of something that's been used in the Bible before, electronic Bibles can be a little cumbersome. So I'm going back to the old-fashioned paper here tonight for uh, Acts chapter 13, and I've got my handy-dandy cross-reference footnoted Bible with wide margins and everything. This Bible's like 30 years old, okay? And uh, here we see uh, Paul and Barnabas, this sort of duo ministry team of Paul and Barnabas, and a lot of traveling uh, going on in this chapter. At the beginning, we see that uh, Paul and Barnabas are amongst, uh, are named amongst a group of people, and it's interesting in verse 1, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Interesting. This use of this word prophet, once again, does not only apply to apostles or the uh, the seven that were chosen in Acts chapter 6. Some, some nobodies are in here, and yet they are at times called prophets. And this is interesting because it shows that the gift, even the gift of prophecy, is not something that you know stayed only with the with the apostles and kind of died out with them. Uh, the implication here is that this gift is extant and alive in anybody. It, it, some of the people named here we don't know much about. You know, uh, we have Barnabas there, but Simeon, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaon, um, and Saul. So okay, Barnabas and Saul are known, but 
uh, the rest of the guys aren't. So really interesting. While they're praying, fasting, worshiping the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit separates Paul and Barnabas, and um, they they all acknowledge this. It seems in their in their time of prayer, and they send them off. There's quite a bit of traveling that goes on here, and Luke uh, describes it as if it's guided and um, overseen by the Spirit of God. The implication is a very, very close walk with the Holy Spirit. These people were able to discern the will of the Spirit of God as if he was a person uh, so alive and, and speaking to them and leading them and prodding them. And I hope that's our experience today if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, that we truly have a relationship with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And here you see um, they end up in a place called Paphos. There's quite a bit of traveling. You'll have to, um, you know, some few tools online where you can download some maps and some first century uh, maps of Paul's travels. And you'll see this man traveled thousands and thousands of miles uh, in his ministry. But in any case, they end up in a place called Paphos. And um, they there's something unique that takes place there. First time we've seen something like this through the hands uh, of uh, of one of the followers of Jesus, and they run into a an occultist. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter eight, we had an occultist named Philip. Uh, not Philip. I'm sorry. Uh, Philip uh, encountered him. Uh, Simon, the the occultist who wanted to buy uh, the power of the Holy Spirit when he saw that Peter and John put their hands on these these new believers in Samaria. And Simon, the, this magician occultist, he sees that and he wants to buy the power. Well, here you have an occultist. His name is um, uh, Bar-Jesus, which actually meant son of Jesus. Interesting name. Um, and so he's an attendant to a Gentile uh, uh, proconsul there named Sergius Paulus. And so Paulus wants to hear um, Barnabas and Saul. But this guy, Elimas, is his, his uh, first name, uh, Elimas Bar-Jesus, or Elimas, son of Jesus. Now, remember, Jesus is not an uncommon name in the first century. Jesus is a Greek uh, uh, transliteration of Joshua, which meant uh, the Lord saves. So um, now we think of the, the name differently. But back then, there were many, many people uh, that were called Jesus at least in the Hebrew form, uh, Joshua, okay? So anyway, um, this bothers Barnabas and, and Saul because uh, this, this occultist is trying to block um, the, the ministry of Paul and Barnabas to this, uh, this boss of this occultist, um, uh, the proconsul. And so what happens is is that Saul, and here uh, his Roman name is used, or sorry, the name that he would use to Gentiles, Paul, is used as well. Okay, He would use Saul when he's dealing with Jews. He'd use Paul when he's dealing with Gentiles. But in any case, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looks straight at this occultist, and he says, you are a child of the devil. Remember, his name is Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. Well, Paul plays on that, and he says, you are the son of a child of the devil. Wow, and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit 
and trickery? Will you never stop perverting the ways of the Lord? And he blinds him. He supernaturally blinds him. And he says, the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind. And for a time, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Fascinating. Here we have a a supernatural working of the Spirit of God, but to a person's detriment. It's not a healing. It's to a person's detriment. And that is very interesting to see this happen. Um, And this is very, very rare. But this is what happens to this man. And it it comes to pass, and well, immediately, mist and darkness is kind of what he sees, and he gropes about. And that proconsul, that that Gentile, Sergius Paulus, we're told here, he, he saw what happened, and he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Interesting. The teaching about the Lord is what impressed him. Uh, the miracle emphasized that, even though it was a miracle to the detriment of the occultist, but it is the teaching of the Lord that impressed this proconsul. Interesting, may that be so in our lives, that it wouldn't just be the supernatural that we hunt for, but the teaching about the Lord and who he is. And then we see more movement, more traveling uh, from Paphos. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them. Uh, to return for Jerusalem. Now, if there's a way for you to circle that or remember that, we're going to come back to that because that is going to lead to a quarrel between Barnabas and Paul, the fact that John, and that would be John Mark, leaves them abruptly to return uh, to Jerusalem. We're not sure why at this point. Anyway, from Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. This is a different Antioch. And on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue. So they're dealing with Jewish folks and sat down after the reading from the law and the prophets customary in a Jewish synagogue uh, meeting. The synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. I mean, you talk about (laughs) you talk about uh, opening the door Well, uh, uh, Paul is going to get up and speak, and we're told in verse 16, motioning with his hands. So he's passionately speaking, men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And he's going to preach a little sermon here. So he's got Jews in the synagogue, and he's got some God-fearing Gentiles in the synagogue, and he wants both of their attention, and he will start uh, in a similar fashion to when Stephen was uh, in front of the Sanhedrin. He's going to go over uh, Old Testament history, or what we would call Old Testament history today. And he starts, and the God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper uh, uh, during their stay in Egypt, and with mighty power he led them out of that country. And he talks about the deliverance out of Egypt. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. Yes, we know all that, Paul. Where are you going? And then he talks about judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. He talks about the, uh, the, the king that they wanted, who would be uh, Saul, son of Kish. And then he would move into the reign of David. 
and talk about David. And he does this on purpose because in verse 23, from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. So this is where he's going. Same thing as Stephen. Uh, they're preaching. They w- When they were preaching to Jews, they would take the Old Testament law and bring it to a place of fulfillment in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, deity risen from the dead. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people in Israel. And so he, he, he's bringing it right up to Jesus, right through John the Baptist. Brothers, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen up. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. So what is he saying? He's saying God has arranged all of this. And the, the, the Jewish people who God came to, who Jesus came to, many of them missed it and missed him. But in missing him, they actually fulfilled God's big master plan in the whole in the whole thing. And though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written about him, you see, so God is using everybody. He's using the Gentiles. He's using Pilate. He's using uh, the Jews who missed uh, who Jesus was and Caiaphas and Annas and so on. So he's recounting all of this. When they had carried all this out, they took him down from a tree. They laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. There it is, the resurrection of Jesus. And for many days he was seen by those who traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. Interesting, he says they and not we, not referring to himself in part of that group. We tell you, now he says, the good news, what God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children. How? By raising up Jesus. And then he's going to go into a litany of quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes from Psalm 2, you are my son. Today I have become your father. He goes uh, um, into uh, uh, another psalm in verse 34. Um, my magic Bible here. Sorry, he goes into uh, Isaiah chapter 55. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. He goes back and jumps to Psalm 16, which we've seen used before. He will not let your holy one see decay. David, speaking of Jesus prophetically. And and then he goes uh, into Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And he's saying, you know, you, uh, we can't miss this. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. What's he saying? Jesus is the fulfillment of it all. He is superior to the old covenant. You can be justified, 
just as if you never sinned, not in the eyes of a man or a priest, but in the eyes of God Almighty. And he says, take care that what the prophets have said doesn't happen to you. And he quotes from Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. So he preaches this whole sermon, and there's a reaction, and it's a somewhat positive reaction. The people invited them to speak further about these things the next Sabbath. Wow, they've got another shot, a part two. But at the same time, you've got people who who are going to oppose this. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism, those are the Gentiles, followed Paul and Barnabas and and urged them to, to continue uh, uh, or wanted to talk to them and urge them to continue uh, in the grace of God, Paul and Barnabas did to the group. Um, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Wow, good crowd shows up for part two. But when the Jews saw the crowds, and this is not all the Jews, obviously, this is a group of Jews who didn't like what Paul and Barnabas were saying. When they saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. And they say, we had to speak to the word of God to you first, but since you reject it and you do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. And then he's going to quote here from Isaiah 49, I made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You see that God wants a salvation story going to Gentiles way back in Isaiah's day, but they all missed it. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And so the word of the Lord spreads. We're finishing the chapter, but Again, you have opposition. The Jews incited the God-fearing women of the high standing and the leading men of the city, and they stir up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region, and the chapter ends. So, I mean, you see some amazing things in there. A lot, a lot of travel, like a lot of kilometers traveled by these men, and you see their, their ministry is one of power, and their preaching is dynamic, and it's all going back to the same thing. Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Forgiveness of sins is available. God is giving you this message. Will you take it or leave it? And, of course, we see this, this act of power by Paul uh, to this occultist, all right? So so just so many little nuggets and so many little details in there, but I hope it's a blessing to you and continue trekking forward and reading through the book of Acts. I look forward to being with you again tomorrow for day number 23. Keep on going, persevere. God bless you. Have a great, great rest of your day.